Hospitality informs all that we do as a Catholic health ministry. It welcomes us to receive its richness as we extend it to others through every act of care. This Advent, the Catholic Health Association invites you to discover the spiritual practice of hospitality as a deep, subversive act of love, where in every encounter we may find, including the conversation you are about to hear, that God is always with us. Well, it's great to be with you today, Christina, and our listeners. My name is Jill Fisk, Director of Mission Services for the Catholic Health Association. And today I'm joined by Christina Stevenson, Director of Pastoral Care for SSM Health at St. Louis University Hospital. Christina, thank you for being here. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. I'm really grateful to be here with you and uh, share some thoughts and uh, look forward to the conversation. It's an important one as we, as a health ministry, turn our our attention towards this coming of Advent. Um, And and this year, CHA has chosen to center all of our conversations and meditations around the practices of hospitality. And you bring some unique perspectives uh, to this conversation on hospitality. And I'm excited just to hear you get started a bit. So tell us how long you've been in your role uh, the, the way that you've served our Catholic health ministry over the years. Okay, so I came to um, SSM Health St. Louis University Hospital in 2008 as the Director of Clinical Pastoral Education, which is my other hat. I'm a clinical pastoral educator, do CPE, uh, and um, became uh, the Director of the Department in 2012. So I've been with Catholic health care for Almost 15 years. Mm, 15 years. And then I think because because you are in the work that you are, you, you've served as a chaplain uh, for a number of years as well. I did. I served as a chaplain both in a uh, secular-based hospital in Maine and in a faith-based, but not Catholic hospital, in a faith-based hospital in uh, Florida mm. for about 15 years as well. So that's clearly informed your understanding of hospitality. Mm-hmm. We're let, we'll, we'll circle back on that, but let's let's first start. Um, with, as you've come to know and practice um, the spiritual discipline and and charism of hospitality, what does that look like? You know, from your own home with your own family. Mm. Okay, so. Um as you know, and we just share this, um, I just returned from a, a long trip to Italy, which is my home country, where I come from. And I was reflecting there on the fact that um, the language um, in Italy, the, there's no word for guest or host. There's only one word, ospite. Um, in English, of course, you can distinguish the person who's offering hospitality, the person who's receiving hospitality. And I was reflecting uh, because we had a lot of guests um, related to a family event. And there is a mutuality there that I think that the language has a particular insight in that is a, is a shared experience. It's not a transaction of giving and receiving. And that's the culture I grew up in. So hospitality for me is a shared experience and there's giving and receiving on both ends. So it's hard really to distinguish who is the giver or the receiver. Is, there is 
certainly I've learned that also in chaplaincy, that that's, uh, that's uniquely true, that there's a, there's a, uh, a mutuality, a re- reciprocity, if I, if I can say that, uh, where both parties are enriched by the other and both parties are giving something to the other. That's beautiful. I think it's easy to sort of slip into the I'm playing the host role or I am a guest in someone else's home. So I love the fact that you highlight that um, from the Italian language. That's I, I wonder what that would look like at tables this Advent. The way that you explain it draws it back to the purpose of relationship, the purpose of meeting and why we gather. Um, I think it doesn't sound like it's this way for you, but for me, I find myself really caught in the details. And it's refreshing to be reminded of, of, of why it is that we really want to be in each other's presence and the sort of good that can come over that um, just because we're simply, we've made ourselves available. The, the gospel reading, uh, one of the readings for this particular week in Advent, uh, helps us gives us that perspective on we need to stay ready. Mm. And that invites a whole understanding of preparation. Um, what does it take to maintain a posture of readiness? So let's just let's talk back from your upbringing. what did what did preparation uh, for the the event or the meal? What did preparation look like in your home as a child? So, I would say preparation involved, first of all, kind of an inner disposition of being willing to let go of some things and being willing to be spontaneous in the moment. Um, So preparation, I think, involves both a sense of letting go um, and a sense of clearing one's own um, heart or mind um, so that we can really be present in the moment to the other person um, and be attuned to the needs of the other person. We can always go and buy all the things that we can possibly imagine we need to prepare a meal. But at the same time, um, we can also, I think, prepare ourselves more um within ourselves um, to say, this is what I like to do, but I am perfectly okay if my guest takes over the kitchen and decides <laughs> to do something totally different. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think it's not a matter of accumulating um, ingredients or items or, um, you know, things, but it's a matter of um, preparing to uh, to just be free from our own agenda. That happens a lot in the patient rooms. It happens a lot yeah. with students. You know, obviously, we want to be prepared. We want to be deliberate in our preparation, in our formation and all that. But it has to be matched, in my view, it has to be matched with that sense of fluidity, the sense of responsiveness that is really attentive to what is what is needed in that moment. So this idea of responsiveness, that's a huge shift 
for those that may find themselves uh, all caught up in the details. I know that I find that Brene Brown in, in one episode talking about sort of a, a transaction with her husband getting ready to prepare something where she kind of goes into this frenzy and she describes the, the need to, you know, paint all the walls and please, honey, I need you to go to Lowe's and I need you to buy all of these plants and then I need you've got an hour and then I need you to put them in the ground before all the guests come over. <laughs> That's a the, an inner an inner disposition an inner posture of readiness is so overlooked and it's difficult. Can you can you talk about um, maybe a, a time from your own life or even with a patient or with a student where you had to move you were really invited by the spirit to move into a place of letting go and releasing is there is there a particular story that stands out where because you were willing to be ready um and 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 cultivate that inner disposition that it sort of changed the way that that the event occurred yeah one thing that i remember comes to my mind related to that was the first time um, I had a group of students uh, after I came to St. Louis. I had uh, come from a, uh, another hospital and was now responsible for the education program, CP programs here in St. Louis. And of course, um, they hadn't had CP for a couple of years because they didn't have an educator. So we didn't have a ton of applications, but we had a few students that applied and all these students um, that were accepted were from other countries. I had students from Vietnam, from Africa, from South America. Um, so that was the first time in my career as an educator that I had a st student group that was all from different cultures, including the educator, mm. because I'm also not from this culture. Um, so it was... Uh, it was a bit of a shift because a lot of the curricula, the uh, practices and expectations, you know, they come from kind of our more Western model of academic work. So it was it was very interesting um, to just adjust to things like the concept of time, mm -hmm. the concept of giving each other feedback. Um, the concept of authority, um, the concept of even what pastoral spiritual care was about, um, it was uh, it was interesting, and they created their own little community. And um, I remember they ate together and um, did not mix as much with the rest of the department, but it was important for them to create that community for themselves. And once I got past my own prejudice of seeing that as kind of, oh, they're separating themselves or they're not mixing well or whatever, I started understanding that in their, in their world, that was huge for them to make, to take that step of creating a community within a community. For me as an educator was an important moment, an important insight, where I had to set aside my own preconceived notion of what a well-blended group should look like or, you know, how uh, engagement with 
um, the department would look like and had to just kind of reframe why um, why they did community the way they understood community to be valuable to mm-hmm. them. So that was kind of a an example of I had to be ready to set my preconceived notions aside about all the educational um, philosophy that I had so mm-hmm. carefully built in mm-hmm. my theories and all that mm-hmm. and just really meet these people in their very, very interesting, rich, painful journeys that um, have brought with them and that were informing their pastoral care, but also informed me as an educator in how I learn to assess the student readiness, engagement, and so on. Hmm. I I find that really interesting. You know, you've been well-formed in Catholic health ministry, and it, yet it seems like that was a new moment of even lifting up human dignity of those that you that you lead. Um, that's that's fascinating. And, and I also think it's interesting the way that they just naturally came together um, was around a table. Mm-hmm. Did I hear you say that? Yes. They ate lunch by themselves in our library room. Um, and uh, uh, every day they did that, which is I've never seen any other group do. <laughs> Um, and it's easy as an educator formed, you know, by our own theories to say, oh, they're just, you know, wanting to separate. But that wasn't separation. That was coming together and honoring their community. And it was really beautiful. Well, Christina, you have shared with us a particular recipe uh, that that we'd like to highlight. Um, tell us about that recipe. Is there a, what is it, and is there a story behind it that's important to know? So the recipe I would like to share is passatelli in brodo. Passatelli is a kind of pasta, but it's not really a pasta. It's uh, it's very simple, very healthy, uh, very um, comforting kind of food. It is the kind of um, thing that often uh, families would have in a holiday meal because the the main course would be kind of heavy and rich. So the first course would be light and just uh, kind of prepare you to taste something more strong, flavorful, spicy, or whatever. This is also the one thing that after 45 years that I live in this country, every single time that I've gone back to my hometown, my mom would make for me when I got off the plane. Oh. That was the one comfort food that I would always ask for. And in 45 years, I probably have made over 100 trips. So um, it's called Passatelli. And passatelli means to pass through because yeah. it is passed through one of those um, potato ricer or potato masher that is a kind of a press uh-huh. and have little kind of discs of different holes. And so you pass it through. So it's passatelli. And um, it's a very simple recipe. It's made with the basic recipe is one cup of Parmesan cheese, one cup of breadcrumbs, not flavor 
breadcrumbs, just plain <laughs> breadcrumbs, a couple of tablespoons of flour, a couple of ta- tablespoons of melted butter, and two eggs, and a really good amount of grated lemon zest and nutmeg. Wow. So you make a whole dough, kind of like a Play-Doh, consistency of a Play-Doh, kind of heavy, and let it rest for a couple hours. And then you put it through this potato ricer um, with the larger holes. Usually those little tools come with a couple different discs. So the hole should be about a one-sixth of an inch or something like that. And just press it through, and they come out like little worms, like little thick spaghetti. And you cut them off. They usually about maybe an inch or two in length. And then you drop them in a chicken broth or a beef broth or a vegetable broth. You can make it from scratch or you can buy it. There's lots of really good options that are not having preservatives or MSG or anything like that. But it's a, it's a very simple soup. As soon as the um, passatelli come, out, um, come to the top of the boiling broth, they're ready. So it takes like uh. literally two minutes to make them. Passatelli. Passatelli. Some regions have variation, like in Tuscany, we put like uh, spinach in them too to make them green. But that's the basic recipe. And they are so good, and it's like the ultimate comfort food. And very um, flavorful, scented with the nutmeg and the lemon zest. So it's a very natural sleep agent. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) If you come off a flight and you're tired, that's what you want to have. Oh, does that mean you're eating pasatelli this evening? <laughs> yes, most likely. <laughs> most likely. The one tip is that the parmesan you use should not be uh, shredded. It should be really great, grated finely, um, like really powdery. And, um, and it really possibly should be a good parmesan cheese like you can buy on the hill or in a good Italian deli. But they are so good and so um, nourishing, and that's that's the one thing I associate with homily. I mean, with the holidays and homecoming and welcoming. Um, it's mm. just a, a part of our family history. Mm. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing it. I I don't know about you. I'm ready to go home and make it right now. <laughs> My kids will be wowed. (laughs) And I I do hope that uh, as our listeners make this dish, Passatelli, that they they really, I think the invitation here is to think about what that means to pass through, what it means to pass through as kind of no delineation between guest and host. Mm -hmm. And how might that uh, shape the way that we receive others um, and are received by others? And more importantly, how might that um, shape the way that we're received and we receive God? So, Christina, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been so delightful to sit and chat with you. Thank you. I've enjoyed it a lot, too. And uh, I wish everybody the best for Advent. that be a, a holy and joyful season. Absolutely. God's blessings to you. Thank you. To access more of our Advent podcasts and download our weekly Advent zine, please visit chausa.org.